All right, John 19, getting closer and closer to being finished with John. Not sure exactly where we're going to go after this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of, th- I don't know, I was kind of thinking Luke, but I'm, I don't know if I want to go to another gospel so soon. If anybody has any suggestions, I'm open. Well, and it's weird because this is where you struggle because people always say they just want topical studies, mm-hmm. right? Like they don't. I don't think most people are used to reading through like verse by verse, book by book. And so people constantly say they just want topical studies, just talk on a topic, you know, whatever. And it's frustrating because you're like, no, (laughs) we need to be in God's word. We need to be reading the whole thing and let it speak to us. Like it's not just about fitting an agenda. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that I always say is I tell people if they would just read it, they would see the simplicity if you would just read and pray for understanding and do these things. And so this is kind of, you know, walking the walk here and helping you along with saying, just read it. See what Jesus says. See what these things say. And get a common understanding for the context of them, the historical information regarding it, the the cultural information, things like that. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, if we say people just read your Bibles, well, I'm going to, here's my part on saying, okay, well, here it is. I'm going to show you what these points are that we always talk about in our other podcasts Yeah. that always lead to scripture. So that's what the goal of these Bible studies are pretty much is they they pretty much are just going through the whole thing and taking a look at what it says. Sometimes they go quick. Sometimes they're really long. I don't know. I can't really, (laughs) I, I don't control that. If you have a problem, pray to God and I'm sure that he will, (laughs) he'll move me in the, in the correct direction. Uh, So with that, go ahead and take a minute to pray before we get started. And then, of course, if there's anything at all that we can do for you guys, anything we can help with, pray for, whatever you're looking for needing, you can go to our website, APHomeChurch.com, and all the information, all the things, it's all on there. Yep, everything that she said. <laughs> all right. I am in the wrong chapter, John. Hold on. I'm getting there. We're in John 19. We're reading out of the NLT translation. That is true. I was in John 17, but now I'm in 19. I'm just talking about things to fill this. Because I was getting ready to be like, all right, get ready to start with Jesus' death here. And then we were going to Jesus' prayer. And I was like, no, 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 no. We're not there yet. Not really like that, though. We're past that. But, yeah, so now um, Jesus has been, is going to be sentenced to death here. And... Yeah, I think the rest, everybody else knows with these later chapters. I don't really need to set these up too much. Yeah. But we'll go through them and see what we can find in them. Verse 1. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. Hail, King of the Jews, they mocked, and they slapped him across the face. Hail, King of the Jews was a Roman mockery of Jesus. Hail, Caesar, or something that they always would have said culturally. Yeah, it obviously wasn't like And a nice so, comment. Hail, King of the Jews was, yeah, they mocked. And then they slapped him across the face, which 
it's sad. It's just not a good idea. I do not want to be them. Especially when their resurrection happens and they see that, you know, he was who he said he was. Yeah. Verse 4. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I am going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Pilate still, he was like, I, I see no threat to this man whatsoever. Verse 5. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said, look, here is the man. And again, Pilate was being kind of an antagonistic there because he was just like i still don't he didn't do anything wrong so like ooh, here's the guy yeah, that like clearly you this apparently big scary man is that big you all scary can. verse six when they saw him the leading priests and temple guards began shouting crucify him crucify him take him yourselves and crucify crucify him Pilate said i find him not guilty he knew Pilate knew very well that they the festival of Passover was going on right now and they couldn't <laughs> he knew the area very well of Judea he was the governor of Judea so he knew that there are Jews and their customs and their times and he knew that they wouldn't do that so that's another kind of mockery towards uh, the Jews there when he's like you take him and crucify him because he knew well, we can't like, well, that's we why can't. we have to have you do this and then that's why <laughs> Yeah. Verse 7. The Jewish leaders replied, By our law, he ought to die because he called himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me? Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or to crucify you? Then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. I love that one. Yeah. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Yes. You would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. That's the one verse that that we know that the Lord, I mean, not just the one verse, but I guess that's the famous verse that we go to when we know that... God sets up kingdoms and tears them down. We know that he gives all power and authority and everything is set up by him. Regardless, Satan still is the god of this world and he is the the god of the kingdoms of these, you know, these these earthly kingdoms that we have. But God still has sovereignty over it and nobody would have power and authority if it wasn't part of God's specific plan, but the um, the one that handed him over, who has a greater sin, is Caiaphas, the high priest. Because Caiaphas is obviously the one that ultimately handed Jesus over to be tried by Pilate. Continuing on in verse 12. Then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leader shouted, If you release this man, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement in Hebrew, Galbatha. This, that verse is 
so fascinating to do a study on um, with Pilate going out and sitting down on the judgment seat. Um, yeah, everybody take John. Just do a, a your own study on John nineteen uh, thirteen. It's fascinating. Any kind of Bible commentary or any kind of um, there's there's plenty of articles and everything written on it, videos, sermons, um, but it's fascinating. So I would just really encourage anybody to do further study on that. Well, because I think for us, this is really weird. Like we don't quite understand like some kind of significance that he comes out and sits on this judgment seat, mm-hmm. you know, Gabatha, and it's right. like okay, like yeah, judgment <laughs> seat, like yeah. you know what I mean, like. Right. I guess we can kind of equate like the judge up in mm-hmm. front of the courtroom, you know, type sure. of a thing. But sure, the just... significance of Jesus taking that judgment, um, and again, the verse so much is just there's just there's a lot to it. So I definitely um, would encourage you to go and just do your own study on that one too. Um, no friend of Caesar. Love how the Jews flip on it, and they're like, "Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait!" Now all of a sudden, now this is a problem against Rome. Now they're trying to like make him, yeah, be a problem against the system. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for for the Passover, and Pilate said to the people, "Look, here's your king. Away with him!" They yelled, "Away with him! Crucify him!" What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. We have no king but Caesar. Sounds like a lot of the world right now. And these were professing people that believed in God. Right? They believed in God and they rejected Jesus. How does that work? Yeah. They didn't. They had because that their own statement right there condemned them. They have no king but Caesar. They don't know God. They love the world. Well, and that's the argument when you talk about these things and people say, you know, well, I'm just thankful for America because it gives me my freedom, my freedom of religion, my freedom of this, my freedom of that. And it goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who gives you your freedom? A country yeah. doesn't give you freedom. No. A president, a ruler, a whatever it is. No, a, just a, having a, a ruler and desiring a ruler is saying that God is not. Yeah, your and this ruler. is, and, and you got to say that this this country that you have to understand that this is a part of the world. This yep. is the world system. Yeah, it's fine that we operate in it. It's interesting that we find ourselves in America and not in another nation, sure. and. I think it's just that interesting. It's fine. Cool. We're located here and not somewhere else. That's about all there is to it. So we're not getting persecuted as as much, but I don't see how not being persecuted is a good thing. I think no. sometimes it even... It's caused it, us it to be the disaster us to that be, we are. Yeah, I mean, because we've tried to protect it, so much we've turned it into this just false utopia and just turned this false Christ out of it but that's a different podcast Heidi why are you getting me started I mean it's what it says I know 
All right. Um, so they took Jesus away. So we're on verse 17. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place of the skull in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side, with Jesus in between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people could read it. Then the leading priests objected and said to Pilate, Change it from King of the Jews to He said I am King of the Jews. <laughs> so petty. Jeez, they're so, so petty. petty. Pilate replied, No, I've written what I've written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says, they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. And... It's fascinating to see how many prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Oh, it's insane. It's in the way that he perfectly fulfilled them. And this is another, this is a great example of how we are to interpret scripture. Okay. The psalmist wrote, they divided my garments among themselves and they threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. That is literally what they did with Jesus' garments. Yep. So when you're when you're trying to understand and how to interpret scripture and prophecy, the the best way to do it is by looking at the way that Jesus literally fulfilled all of these things. And expect that he will continue to literally fulfill everything that he has promised. Well, that's where we love reading. Our kids love Old Testament prophecy and the Psalms. They love them. And I think one of the reasons why they love them so much is because they are constantly listening for Jesus. Mm -hmm. So we'll read these passages and the kids are like, oh, that one's Jesus. Oh, that one's Jesus. Oh, that's this. You know, something he already did or something we're waiting for him to still do. But I love how much our kids love seeking out those things. And sometimes they catch them like ones that we were like, oh, yeah, yeah, that is. And then we go back and realize that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But they're really good at it. And it's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And so verse 25. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her, took her into his home. So this disciple that he loved, here's John in his all his humility when he says the disciple that Jesus loved. So we wanted to make sure and put that in there. Yeah. But he did put the disciple, this disciple in humility later on, you know, here. Yeah, it's not about him. It's not about him. So um, then Jesus picked for, me out of everybody. Except for that, I don't know, that the one that Jesus loved, that, that's kind of sticking that one in there a little bit. But then he refers to himself as this disciple. <laughs> so, but um, this disciple took, so John took Mary. This is how we know that John took care of Mary. Yep. 
uh, later on, and we know that John is was the last apostle left alive. So there's there's a lot of interesting things here that I think that that's that's one of them that uh, Jesus chose John to take care of Mary. That's like the ultimate. Oh man, I can't mess this up. <laughs> like, oh yeah, could you imagine? I can't. Like, I got Jesus' mom I got to take care of. I can't even. Well, and we know that, you know, obviously they had a special relationship. John was most likely much younger than the rest of right. the other guys. Um, that also kind of adds into maybe that relationship where it was almost like a younger brother to Jesus. And they had kind of a special connection in that way. Um, and then, obviously, that would make sense logically for him to be the one to take his mother because obviously he's going to be around a lot longer most likely um just looking at a younger guy versus an older guy and then i mean obviously we see everything else that happens with john so it all works together perfectly yeah all right well continuing on in 28 jesus knew that his mission was now finished and to fulfill scripture he said i am thirsty Psalms twenty two fifteen and sixty nine twenty one, and a jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a high sop branch, and held it to his lips. You know what's interesting about that is high sop was used to spread the blood mm-hmm. on the doorposts. Yep, at during the original Passover. Passover. Yep, exactly. Because everything everything lines, lines up, up with perfectly. This. Yes. I mean, he fulfills everything perfectly, and that's just and the odds of this just happening by coincidence, if you believe coincidence is even a real thing, are like so insane. Right. I mean, it just it it none of this is coincidence. God is a God yeah, of no. precision. Yeah, he he spread blood over the doorposts during the original Passover with Hyssop, and then he has it brought to his lips. You know, Christ on the cross, like that's just, that's one of those just mind exploding things in, in the gospels, um, that, you know, that Jesus did and you just realize, like, well, where was Jesus in the old Testament? Mm. All over. Everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Where wasn't he ever since Genesis? Yeah. I mean, all right. Verse 30. When he, Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It was a day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was Passover week. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you also may continue to believe. These things happened in fulfillment of the scriptures that say, Not one of his bones will be broken, and they will look on the one they have pierced. That is, that that whole passage right there that I just read is there's so many different things to take out of there. Um, One of the main things, obviously, 
again, a literal fulfillment of, of prophecy. Not one of his bones will be broken. And you see these, you see that prophecy. It's really obscure because it's in Exodus. It's in Psalms. There, there's, there's a couple different references to the, the broken bones, no broken bones. Yeah. And the way that it happened with Jesus is just absolutely fascinating. You know, that, these things and then what john is saying is he's saying that like yeah these major fulfillments this everything this is a complete accurate account these things are fulfilled and they happened and i'm telling you this and i'm writing you this so that you will believe that all of this happened this is somebody that that saw it and he's saying i'm telling you believe me i saw this it's real it happened um Eyewitness account. Uh, the very special Sabbath. That was obviously a high holy Sabbath because it was Passover. Yep. And again, so often, I mean, we have tried to remove in Christianity all things Jew. So you don't know the weight of importance of yeah. what that was. Yes. This and the fact that Jesus died thing. on a high holy Sabbath day. Well, that's why they had to rush to get everything buried and taken care of. I mean, you guys, you got to understand how these things, you know, work. Yeah. You you have to, there's certain things you have to do. Otherwise, you'll be ceremonially unclean. You can't come to partake mm -hmm. in these things. And if you miss Passover, then you miss this, this sacrifice. And this is huge. I mean, all of these things have such huge weight. And God did not mess around with his feasts and with his, and with his holy days and with his... They were serious, and they were meant to be taken seriously. Yes. And so, um, th you know, the fact that, that Christ died on one is, you know, it's just, there is, it, it's a lot more serious than what our American gospel preach will preach and teach to you, the amount of importance and um how much that means it's just it's unfortunate that like you said that we just have tried to remove it well we have to understand that all of the feasts given in the old testament there's seven of them special ordained days set apart by the lord that he gave them it's like holidays but they're holy days right and we know that every single one is going to be fulfilled quite literally by jesus mm -hmm. he is going to perfectly fulfill every single one and we see that already starting with passover Passover is the first one. If you look at them kind of laid out in order, he fulfilled the first three with his death, burial, and resurrection. The Holy Spirit came down on the fourth one. And we know specifically of prophecy that's given with some of the remaining ones of, of we know how they're going to work and how they're going to be fulfilled with Christ's second coming. Right. So it's just amazing to look at this and to see that the point of Passover was to sacrifice the perfect lamb. It could not have a single blemish. And that sacrifice 
was to atone for the sins of the people. And so now we have the perfect lamb without any blemish, no sin whatsoever, who is dying to atone for the sins of all man for all time and everything to come. Like, it's just so, so significant. Huge. Huge. Yeah. But for real. All right. um, But literally. Verse 38. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had, a sec- who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. I like it because they kind of, um, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders. Hmm. That's uh, showing a little bit of cowardice because you're, you're afraid to follow him. Yes. Because you're afraid of the Jewish leaders. Yeah. Something that this is exactly. Uh, it's not how that's supposed to go. This is exactly kind of what Peter did. Mm-hmm. They weren't leaders, but they were still Judaizers coming and telling him that they needed to do these things. So you could tell that our fear and our just our denial of Jesus because of the world and this system is something that just kind of lingers in the flesh. Verse 39. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with spices and long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb, never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation for Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. All right, well, we'll end on that sad note. But um, be back for the resurrection because, you know, it's Jesus. (laughs) In chapter 20 tomorrow. Got some good stuff coming. Yep. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Yep.